0: Straight up, six o'clock by my watch means it's time for the one and only Big Six here on 1045 The Zone. Glad to have you with us. Blessed to have you as a part of my audience. My name is Jason Martin. I'm on Twitter at JmartZone. You can follow me there. Our telephone number may not get the calls tonight, but you can try. 615 737 1045. That's 737 1045. Say it every night. I am blessed beyond measure any measure you want to talk about or any measure you can't even fathom. And I hope that you recognize just how blessed you are in your life as well. I hope this Monday finds you and yours doing as well as humanly possible. And if that faith conversation is one that you need to have with somebody, I'm open. My DMs are always open at jmartzone. If not me, I hope you find somebody that you trust in your life to have it with. NBA Finals Game 5 is tonight. Could be the end of the series, could be the end of a dynasty, if you want to call it a dynasty for the Golden State Warriors. Four finals in five years, but they're on the brink of doom thanks to the John Wick of the NBA, Kawhi Leonard. You've heard this take from me. You heard it on Fox Sports Radio this weekend. You heard it, you've heard it pretty much anywhere I've had a microphone, anywhere I've been blessed by the Lord enough to have an opportunity to speak to you about these entertainment escapes that we love called sports. And that is that Kawhi Leonard is the best player in the National Basketball Association as of today in 2019. From the second he got injured, I thought he was done for the year. May not be a torn Achilles, but calling that a mild calf strain did not make any sense. And based on Brian Windhorst's reporting on Thursday night that you didn't really hear about until Friday night after Game 4 went the way of the Toronto Raptors in Golden State that the Warriors are frustrated. They're not mad at Kevin Durant, but they're frustrated because what they were anticipating was that KD on Thursday was going to be able to practice with the team and that he would suit up and play on Friday night. And so they get him out there and they discover, uh-oh, no, he can't play at all. The trainers say his body has not responded the way that it needs to. As soon as he gets on the floor, he's out there for a couple of minutes and it just it fails. It's a failed experiment. Durant even says, look, I can't, I can't do it. And so what they were anticipating fell apart. They did get Klay Thompson back, and he gave them 28 points. Steph Curry looked gassed from what he gave you in Game 3. His defense has never been particularly great. And on this night, it was about as bad as you can see Steph Curry play. So everybody dogged out Steph Curry just like I assumed that they would. The hot takes are coming, folks. Steph Curry's overrated. He can't do it alone. I did 15 minutes last week on this very program on 104.5 The Zone telling you how almost nobody can do it alone. Kawhi Leonard's not doing it alone. He's just leading the charge. Kevin Durant couldn't do it alone when he had another pair of Hall of Famers next to him in Oklahoma City with James Harden and, of course, Russell Westbrook. Steph Curry's taking a lot of flack all of a sudden because the Warriors aren't winning. When you are not winning, it's time to start poking holes in everything that you can media-wise Maybe even team internally. I don't think that that is what is happening at all. But back to the original thesis here. Kawhi Leonard's the best in the NBA. His defense is unbelievable. In Game 4, here's the stats for the Golden State Warriors, and this is not a lengthy stat that I have to put out. As he was the primary defender in Game 4, the Warriors were 2-for-7 and 0-for-2 from 3 and turned the ball over multiple times. And I'm not just talking about Boogie Cousins, who, boy... He really was done after game two, wasn't he? Because it's not an effort thing, but game four began with two turnovers from Boogie Cousins on two consecutive possessions within the first minute of that basketball game. But when you think about the best player in the league, you think about a guy who makes people better around him and who can carry them on his back when need be. And that's what we saw. We saw the entire kit and caboodle from Kawhi on Friday night. And it just buttressed my point that much further. Everybody not named Kawhi Leonard in the first quarter was one for 13. And Kawhi had 14 of the 17 points and he was on fire. He kept them close enough. In the second quarter, they started to play a little better, but they still couldn't hit anything from three. Kawhi was sort of keeping them afloat. But when you get to the half... And Golden State, it feels like if you've been watching the game without the score ticker, you remember back in the day, like when you would watch CBS when Dick Stockton was sort of the guy and you would watch those old Celtics games and the grainy footage and you wouldn't see the score, but maybe every seven or eight trips up and down the floor, like it used to drive me nuts. I would want to flip over and just see the score of a game and then go back to the main thing that I was watching at the time. But sometimes you'd have to wait five minutes to do it, and the announcers would not continually keep you abreast of the actual score at that point in time. Some were better than others. But it could become sort of a taxing experiment to sit there and wait for that graphic to pop up that would say Boston 98, LA 94, or whatever it might be in that case. Now we have these score bugs, as they're called, that are constantly there, which also makes it impossible for me when I DVR a game. I've got to be really careful if I'm not going to be watching a game live that I change the channel off of a sports station and put it on like TNT where they're running a Star Wars marathon or something like that so that when I turn on the TV in the five or six seconds, let's say I'm watching a game that starts at one, I'm going to start it at two o'clock. Maybe I want to avoid the commercials or maybe... I had something to, to do after church or, or whatever it might be that was going on in my life. Well, I still want to watch that game as if it's new, so I'm not on social media, but that's just part of the battle because of technology and just how it's almost impossible to get away from it. If I turn on the television and they're not in commercial break at 2.15 or whatever it is when I start that game, I'm going to see the score. So there have been times when I've forgotten to change the channel, where as I'm turning on the TV, I actually put... My hand over where the screen is, I know the button combinations to get me to the DVR recording without looking at the television. And so I find a way to still put blinders on Ted Mosby Super Bowl style and avoid that. And there will be sometimes, this actually happened a few weeks ago, where Golden State and Portland were playing in game four, I believe it was. And I was excited, or no, you know what, it was earlier in the series because it was in Golden State. This is how I know. I realized as I'm turning it on, I'd spent the evening with my girlfriend. I was back home. I was going to start the game at like 11 p.m. I was going to watch it because I knew I was going to have to comment on it on this show and on other shows. I said, okay, I'm going to sit down and watch this and let's see what Lillard McCollum can do this time in the first game in Oracle. I turn on the television and I've got my hands up as the blinders, but there's like, I don't know, half a centimeter at the top of the screen that, that is sort of not blanked out. And I see yellow and blue confetti. And I know the game's over and Golden State won it. Sure enough, that's exactly what happened. Didn't watch a second of that game. So you have to be sort of cautious. You don't know what's going on with the score in that case. But you would think if you were watching Golden State and Toronto near the end of the first half on Friday night, old school style, that the Warriors are probably up 15 points because they're summarily dominating the game outside of Kawhi. Then you get to the half and realize Toronto's only down four. Uh Uh-oh. They're only down four. That's a win for the Raptors. That's what I tweeted out from Matt J. Zone. Turned out to be true. What happened when the third quarter started? A four-point deficit turned into a two-point lead on two possessions and three plays by, guess who, the best player in the world, Kawhi Leonard. He starts out the third quarter with a three-pointer from the right elbow, basically. Then he goes down, steals the ball, comes back with the ball, and hits another three from virtually the exact same spot Raptors up two. Now, then they go back and forth. They jockey until about the four-and-a-half-minute mark of the third quarter, and it is at that point that Kawhi Leonard and the Toronto Raptors say, nah, we're taking this one too, fellas. We're going to win both on the road and go back home up 3-1 against you. And that's exactly what happened. 105-92. Domination. At that point, the Warriors had no answers. Kawhi Leonard finishes with 36 points, and not a 36 where he had to control and dominate every possession with isolation that kept everybody else outside. I mean, Ibaka had 20 points in that game on Friday night. You have seen guys, tertiary contributors, step up and make plays at different times in this series. Kyle Lowry has really become a much, I think, more confident postseason player because of Kawhi Leonard's mentality. Did you hear Kawhi Leonard after the game? Kawhi Leonard is a cyborg. That's why that meme that was making its way, it was just that still shot of Kawhi Leonard that was making its way through Twitter and social media the past 36 hours or so, where it was just a shot of Kawhi wearing Apple AirPods. And a question was asked, what song is Kawhi Leonard listening to? And Bill Barnwell said, binary code... And a lot of people joked because, you know, Kawhi's kind of a robot. Who knows what he's listening to? Could be listening to nothing. I remember that old trick in pro wrestling. You're walking into the building. I'll put up my cell phone so I don't have to talk to the fans. Look like I'm in the midst of a call. By the way, I also pulled that at Opry Mills when all those people are trying to hand me various things from kiosks every 17 seconds as I'm trying to just walk through and get to a couple of stores and get out of there. I know they're doing their job. By the way, I'm not complaining about what they're doing. That's not a fun gig at all, I'm sure. Nothing that you want to do less than hand weird moisturizers to people who have no interest in it whatsoever. Or, hey, do you want to sell your gold? No, I don't, as a matter of fact. So here's my phone. You see that Apple logo? Yes, I'm on the phone. Please don't look at the other side of this phone where there's absolutely nothing but a black screen because I haven't even managed to fake dial myself to make this thing look any better. But Kawhi Leonard in this case, to Doris Burke, after this game, incredible how his mind works, and how he simply doesn't care. And it's that don't care about anything but murdering somebody basketball-style on a court that has led to where we are right now. Now, there is a big excuse here, and there is a big reason why, and we'll talk about it in the next segment. It's not like some giant surprise. But Kawhi Leonard to Doris Burke, this is what he said. She asked him whatever question that Doris Burke asked him, and everybody fawned over it because I guess Doris Burke is better at this job than everybody else. Maybe someday I'll talk about that. I think Doris Burke's really good at what she does. I also don't think she's like demonstrably better than Allie LaForce or any number of other people that do that, do that gig. I don't think Allie LaForce has her own t shirt line that, like, I don't know what it is. I, I don't, I guess I missed that argument. I think Doris is really good at her job, though. But she asked Kawhi Leonard a basic question, and he said, I don't play for stats, I don't play for records. I don't play for the fans. Record skip. He stopped for like two seconds as his brain sort of caught up with what just came out of his mouth and was just kind of like, uh, that probably didn't come out all that well. Now let me go back now that I've sort of contextualized it and go back to what he said. He said, I don't play for records. I don't play for stats. I don't play for the fans. I play for wins. That is it. Like he didn't even like stop and say, well, I do play for the fans. I'm sorry. I know that came out wrong. No, 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 no. Oh well, I guess it's out there. I play for the, I play to win. I play to win. He also said later on, I don't play hero ball, I play to win. I don't know if that was a direct shot across the bow to Kevin Durant, but hero ball, the first time I ever heard the phrase hero ball was Charles Barkley on inside the NBA describing why the Oklahoma City Thunder would never win an NBA championship because two guys on that team engaged in hero ball to their own detriment and as a result, the secondary players would never be consistent enough because they would never be in rhythm because they would never expect to get the basketball. Kevin Durant felt like he had to do everything himself, so he would go one-on-five. Sometimes Russell Westbrook felt the exact same way, so he would go one-on-five. And what you saw during hero ball was a 3-1 lead against the Golden State Warriors become a 4-3 loss in that Western Conference final series that led to Durant's exodus to Golden State after the season – and mainly it's because Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook's hero ball failed and they had off shooting nights enough that Golden State could get back in it. And if you do nothing but stand around and watch one guy score 50 all the time and then one night he goes for 25 and he's passing you the ball but you're not used to shooting it in those moments, that can be sort of difficult to deal with. And that's why I continue to believe Kawhi is more valuable than Kevin Durant. Even with Durant's size and his tangible effects – I think Kawhi Leonard's mentality and the fact that he will put you on his back and carry you and score 50 if he needs to, but he's perfectly fine scoring 25 and grabbing 12 rebounds and giving you eight assists and making sure everybody on that floor is involved. And that's why I think everybody is better playing with Kawhi that wouldn't be with Durant. And that's why I think if you put Durant on the Raptors right now, they would not be in this position against Golden State. Because Durant would not have Ibaka giving you 20. He would not have Lowry playing this well. He would definitely not have Siakam playing this well because Siakam wouldn't even know he was that good because he wouldn't be seeing the basketball enough. I'm not even saying that Durant's being selfish. Durant believes that he has to do this to win. It's the same thing James Harden was saying in the middle of the season. I don't want to go shoot 45 times, but I feel like I have to. Kawhi took over 40 shots in Game 7 against the Sixers because he did have to because nobody else wanted to shoot for the Raptors. They were terrified. So Kawhi said, all right, come with me. I'll get you home. And he did. And right now, they're one win away from Toronto, the city of Toronto's first ever pro sports championship, at least since Joe Carter beat my Atlanta Braves in 1992. We'll be right back. Five The Zone. Welcome back in broke this afternoon sources say kevin durant plans to play tonight i don't know exactly what that means just yet this is the big six monday edition brought to you by renter's warehouse here on 104.5 the zone renter's warehouse is dedicated to putting homeowners on the path to financial freedom through rent estate renting your home without having to do the hard stuff renter's warehouse the rent estate company my name is jason martin host of this fine program also the editor-in-chief of the Big Six blog, you can read my stuff at 1045thezone.com slash Big Six blog. Kevin Durant has been sort of the talk. This whole NBA Finals, guys, comes down to a referendum on three people. Ultimately, we're not really talking about the coaches. Kerr's not going to get hit if they lose here. They're, he's just not. He's still going to be on that. He's a Hall of Fame coach level. He's probably already won. Some people try to say he's not on that level yet. I would say he probably is. His ball movement has really changed Steph Curry from more of a 24-point score to like a 30-point score. Not that Curry wasn't great to begin with, but Curry's one of the three guys. The three guys this whole thing is a referendum on and a discussion about is Kawhi Leonard, who we spent most of the first segment talking about, Kevin Durant and Steph Curry. All of a sudden, Steph Curry can't do it alone. He had 47, they got beat by 14 in Game 3. In Game 4, it felt like to me that Curry had given 150%, maybe even 175% in futility in Game 3, leaving himself somewhere between 25 and 50% of himself on Friday night in Game 4. Durant practiced yesterday, so that gives you some hope. But I've got to say, this guy hasn't played since May and the single digits of May. Expecting him to come back and have 45 is ridiculous. If he comes back and has 30, that would be a tremendous game. I don't know what kind of minutes he could play, but Durant not playing is certainly going to be the reason why a lot of folks are going to put an asterisk or try to tell you there's an asterisk next to this Toronto Raptors championship because they didn't really beat the Golden State Warriors. You can make that argument. There are some really bad takes out there about how well, it's just about the two teams on the floor, and the Raptors are the better of those two teams. I mean, that's true, but that's a really bad argument as well. Would Toronto be up 3-1 if Durant were playing? Probably not. Would it be 2-2? I could still see it being 2-2. Because if you want to argue that if Durant's out there, the Warriors are sweeping this series, I'm going to tell you you're wrong about that. I'm also going to tell you, are you sure that Houston doesn't actually beat Golden State? if Durant does not get hurt. Because ultimately, it seemed like Houston played a lot better against the isolation, old, the old new old ball that the Warriors were playing with Durant in that series. That was a razor-thin series. And then, when he went out and they won the game after he left and then they went to Houston and won that game, that game when they went to Houston and won, that Rockets team didn't know how to respond to that Warriors team. And so I'm not saying that that's the case, but I am saying that I think the Rockets might have had a better shot against the Durant Warriors than the Durant-less Warriors. The Warriors are far better with Kevin Durant, not at all asserting the opposite. I'm saying in that particular matchup, I think it would have benefited Houston because of the lack of ball movement and spacing that forced defenses and allowed for some of the rebounding that we saw from Golden State, especially in that closeout game. Now in this case... They need Durant. If you want to beat Toronto, if you want to have any chance of beating Toronto, you need the second best player in the world or 1A to Kawhi's 1B. Whatever you want to say. Kawhi is my guy. KD might be yours. You cannot argue with me, anybody else. You can try to talk about LeBron. You can talk about Giannis. You can talk about James Harden. You can talk about any number of guys, and I will be able to poke holes in those arguments. Durant's the only one where he also really doesn't have a flaw in his game. His defense has gotten a lot better since he went to Golden State. He can go out there and get you 40 when you need it. He may not be able to do that tonight if he were able to play because of all the rust. And they don't have, This is the thing. They don't have a luxury of rust. The Warriors can't afford for Durant to go out there and be rusty and get them 15, trying to work his way back into the game. He has to come back and beat Kevin Durant to beat them. You know how hard it's going to be to win in that atmosphere around that great, honestly, I'm going to say this great basketball city. Jurassic Park, there were people lining up yesterday morning at like 8 a.m. in Toronto to stand outside to be a part of the festivities during the game inside. They care. It's going to be loud it's going to have sort of a feel that Golden State does not. One thing that we noticed during game four was with about four-ish minutes left, Warriors fans started leaving. And people went nuts over this. They are just like, oh, you guys don't deserve the Golden State Warriors. So glad they're going to San Francisco. You don't deserve them. There has been a change in who is attending Warriors games. Because once they became this glitzy celebrity-laden team with Durant and Curry and all these guys that you knew and Draymond Green's personality, all of a sudden those ticket prices went up and they started pricing out the regular fans and the corporate guys and the people in suits that are trying to wine and dine clients would snatch up everything that they could. And so you don't have the everyman all through that building the way that you may have when this run began. Now it has changed. There are arguments that the same thing has happened at Bridgestone Arena. I would stop short of saying it's gotten quite that bad. There's still a lot of just regular kind of of salt-of-the-earth folks, guys like you and me, gals like you and me, that you can find at Preds games. But as that experience has become more elite in Nashville, I can tell you that when tourists come into town, I remember Mickey Ryan and JT and I were walking from the company Christmas party and a couple came up to us and they asked what they should do and we talked about the Preds and they talked about how expensive it was and how the secondary market was almost impossible for them to find tickets at a reasonable rate uh, at least any kind of decent tickets because if you're going to come from out of town you don't want to sit in the top of Bridgestone Arena it's just it's become a tougher experience and that's a good thing. It's credit to Sean Henry and everybody in the Preds organization that it has become that kind of experience because Nashville is always in search of the biggest party. That's where you're going to find the news coverage. That's where you're going to find the people. NFL draft, biggest party the city's ever seen, 600,000 people were there. The Preds, as they started to get better, as they went on that hot run a couple of years ago, all of a sudden, that is the biggest party in Nashville. Nashville. And as soon as you leave Bridgestone, you can barely walk around Broadway because of all the Preds gear everywhere. After, I remember after the Anaheim, the closeout against the Ducks that sent them to the Stanley Cup. I left the media area after that press conference and went outside. I remember seeing Travis Haney, the athletic, and various people out there. We were all celebratory. I think Jason Fitz was out there. Like, we would just see each other, you know, high five, all this kind of stuff. But I don't remember a whole lot of that night, and I didn't have a sip of alcohol. It was just madness. It was chaos. And that's what Jurassic Park looks like when they show those shots of Toronto. Toronto's not overly corporatized, and so that building is full of real hardcore Toronto Raptors fans, Kawhi Leonard fans, Kyle Lowry fans, Pascal Siakam fans. So there is is sort of a grassroots feel to it. There's not an AstroTurf feel to it. Now, that may change. I know Drake's there. But there's a lot of non-Drakes that are there as well. So my argument would be, that's going to be a really hard building to try and win in tonight. I know. Toronto knows they have one game, and they've still got to knock out this dynasty. They've still got to knock out Apollo Creed. They've still got to beat this seemingly unbeatable force. But Kawhi Leonard doesn't care, folks. Kawhi Leonard knows they have one win and he knows that they have to win one more game. He even said it. He's like, it doesn't matter. We can't talk about this until we win one more. But there's not a second that has gone by where I thought he doesn't think that's exactly what's going to happen. You realize he's basically at this point. When Did you read the articles about what he says when he's playing basketball and how people that have played against him from pickup to college to the pros like how he speaks on the court. I know the board man gets paid and all that stuff, but he also, simply when he shoots, he just very softly says, Bucket. He says that, and then on the other side, when he's playing defense, he just says, nope, nope, nope. I'm telling you right now that Bucket is 2019's Omar whistling down the street in the wire. Somebody's about to take a sawed-off shotgun in the face because... That would instill fear in me, unlike anything else on an NBA floor at this stage, is Kawhi Leonard falling away, shooting the basketball, and me hearing as I'm turning around to watch the flight of that orange towards the rim, all of a sudden I just hear softly behind me, bucket, like cold chills, hair standing up on the back of my neck. I realize I'm about to get mauled here. I realize that this is an assassination taking place on a basketball court. And he's saying buckets a lot these days. But can you just imagine? I mean, there's so many people that trash talk. Reggie Miller, legendary for it, and Westbrook, and a lot of guys that talk a lot. Kawhi Leonard, you barely ever see his mouth move. He's like a pro wrestler, where they're talking through all the spots that they're doing in the ring, but the best ones, you have no idea that they ever even open their mouths because they do it while they're in the midst of actually shooting somebody off to the ropes. You shoot somebody off to the ropes, and as you do it, your arm actually goes up over where your mouth is, and that's when you say, come back, hit me with an elbow, step over. You know, whatever it might be. I'm speaking from a place of experience here on this one. And when you're in rest holds, a lot of times that's when you're talking out through the match. If I've got you in a rear chin lock on the mat, on the mat or if I've got you in a sleeper hold, I can sit there because my hands, or I can actually lean my head against the back of yours and talk to you right there and say, when you get up, I want you to give me a suplex. I want you to throw me off at me with a back elbow. Then shoot me off one more time. I'm gonna duck underneath it and catch you with a big boot off the ropes. Like all of that. That's how, you know, that's how you do it, unless you're scripting everything behind the scenes. But Kawhi Leonard's like Bret Hart out there. Because you don't see him talk at all. But then you hear these stories of everybody that plays against him just hearing, Bucket. 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 No, no, no. Boardman gets paid. And you know he's not saying it loudly. He's just embarrassing fools out here. And so that mentality, that's a killer, folks. The best take maybe that I've ever had on this show is when I did 15 minutes to open this show a couple of weeks ago with the John Wick soundtrack underneath me saying that Kawhi Leonard is the NBA's John Wick. He is the guy that you hire to go kill the boogeyman. And the boogeyman in the NBA, he has killed them both, or he's one win away from killing them both. You can make the Durant excuse if you want. All Kawhi Leonard has done is beaten Steph and beaten Clay, and beaten Draymond and beaten Steve Kerr and helped a lot of guys that may have lacked confidence at this stage in a season. With postseason failures littering many of their resumes, he's just carried them and made them believe. And now they have stepped up for him. And now you've got a team in Toronto that's deep, and I also think you've got a coach that might be a little bit underrated in Nick Nurse. Now there have been some things that have been fortunate for the Toronto Raptors here. Not the least of which is, you get rid of DeRozan, who couldn't, along with Kyle Lowry, beat LeBron James. And the year that you bring in this one-year mercenary in Kawhi Leonard, LeBron goes to the West and you don't even have to see him until the Finals. And he goes to a team that's putrid, that's falling apart at the seams, both in the front office and... On the roster itself, he doesn't even make the playoffs, but you get to the NBA Finals without ever even seeing him. If he was in Cleveland, that probably wouldn't have been the case. If he had been in Philly, that wouldn't have been the case. So you can look at this and say, well, Kawhi's had a little bit of fortune. He has, but so have the Raptors. Think about the decision that they made to get Kawhi and how this could have been viewed had it not gone this well. Maybe that is a topic to explore further. This is Flash Golf Classic. It's Monday. This is the Big Six here on 104.5 The Zone. Keeping live and local alive for an extra hour since July of 2018. Blessed, as always, to be behind this microphone talking to each and every one of you. Want to thank Austin Huff for filling in for me on Friday afternoon. Had a blast with Mickey Ryan and Mark Mariani and Colt Anderson and JT and just it's always fun and it's uh, it's always humbling when I get asked to do one of the other shows, one of the longer shows here on the station. It was a lot of fun uh, sitting in with 3HL on Friday. Hope to do that again sometime in the near future. Brent's having a really good time up in New York. His kids playing in Cooperstown. That's got to be fun on itself. But I saw a couple of the photos that he was tweeting out. On Friday, and that's awesome. Hopefully, he'll get back safely and he's enjoying his time away. Well deserved, as he works incredibly hard, as does everybody here at 1045 The Zone. I'm going to save that take that I kind of half teased at the end of the break for tomorrow. If Toronto's able to win tonight, it'll make even more sense to open tomorrow's show speaking about the decision that Toronto made in the front office and how they went about acquiring Kawhi Leonard. But let's talk about the NFL tomorrow. Titans mini camp begins. I'm not going to talk about that specifically here because we're going to talk a lot of Titans pretty much from here on out. I stopped and thought about it, and I was like, man, we're still a long way away from the football season. I realize, no, we're not. It's like, it's June 10th. It doesn't feel like the Super Bowl was nearly as long ago as it was. We're just a couple of months away from fake football. camp's about to start. Training camp's around the corner as well. Before we know it, these games are going to start counting again and this is why spring football is entirely and completely unnecessary because we get football. We get a lot of football. I've watched some of these NBA, I mean I've watched a ton of the NBA, but the NBA going as deep as it is into June kind of helps solidify everything that's going on. But I do want to talk about the NFL and I want to talk about Carson Wentz's contract just a little bit. We talked about this Mickey and I talked about this on Friday on 3HL Wentz gets 107.9 guaranteed, which is .9 more than Russell Wilson, which is how this works. The next guy up might get more guaranteed money, if he do, even if he doesn't get more overall money. The question is, is this a good deal? And the answer is, you better believe it is, as long as you believe that the Carson Wentz that you signed or the one that you just extended through 2024 is the one that you saw prior to that pretty just gruesome leg injury he suffered against the L.A. Rams that ended his season a couple of years ago and led to the Super Bowl run for Nick Foles. As long as you believe that even had he played, they still would have won the four playoff games that they have won without Carson Wentz on the field with Nick Foles. Now, they gave up their leverage, and they gave up their plans, and they gave up, did the Philadelphia Eagles, everything that they would have had in terms of, well, we don't know if you're the guy yet. They clearly do think he's the guy. Now, this is a team that moved up twice in the draft to find a way to get him, liked him at North Dakota State, despite the injuries. He's had injuries dating back to adolescence, folks. And he had trouble at North Dakota State with his body, and he's had a couple of pretty bad injuries so far in the NFL, including stress fractures in his back and one that finally shut him down in December of this past season. But they still believe in him, and they like him. And they are telling him, in effect, we trust that after we pay you, Showing our trust and belief in you, you are not going to go in the tank as somebody that has one hundred and seven point nine guaranteed, you know, million in the bank account. They gave up any questions that you might have had as to whether or not they bought into Carson Wentz the second they let Nick Foles go, because even though I don't believe Nick Foles is a starter in this league long term, I think he's a backup disguised as a starter, but he is somebody that can lead you to short term success, and it's probably a couple of better, a couple of games maybe better than Blake Bortles you still gave up a guy that won you a Super Bowl in four playoff games in the past two seasons. So you obviously believed in wins. You're paying him ahead of schedule. You don't have to do this for a couple of years. And there are articles out there that you can find that show all the people that are contracted for the next couple of years for the Eagles and that they already have locked in. And man, they should cash in and win another Super Bowl. I know there are potentially better teams and younger teams with the Chiefs and the Browns if they're able to elevate And maybe the Rams still have a little bit of juice left. And, you know, there are still a couple of guys like the, you know, the Drew Brees Saints that maybe another year or so there. But the Eagles have everything that you need from a structural standpoint to win another Super Bowl as long as Carson Wentz lives up to Carson Wentz. Russell Wilson got the contract that he wanted. And the thing about this is, it's never a mistake to overpay a worthy quarterback. The problem, what sets franchises back for decades or half a decade, is when you overpay a mediocre guy. And boy, oh boy, does that make sense to be a discussion having in the city of Nashville on June the 10th, 2019. We don't know right now what we're about to see from Marcus Mariota and certainly from Ryan Tannehill. I will tell you that if, and I read the article at A to Z Sports that that Buck Rising wrote, and that some other people believe this as well, in terms of hometown discounts and whether or not this Wentz deal has any effect on Mariota, Mickey argued on Friday that it did not. Mark Mariani argued that it did not. I kind of tended to believe it didn't either because I don't think Mariota's in Wentz's class, despite the fact that Mariota beat Carson Wentz at Nissan Stadium last year. I thought Wentz was on the cusp of being a top-five quarterback. I have reduced that back to top ten, but if he can just stay healthy and start finding other receivers that aren't tight ends, then I think he can step right back up and potentially be one of those level players. And if you believe in any way that that guy can be what I just described, you pay him whatever he wants and you thank him for the privilege to do so. What you can't do is what Cincinnati has done for so long. That's just one example of many. Your team might also be included if you're not, not a Titans fan. Or even me with the Broncos and how we paid Case Kingdom last year, for example. And we're taking a risk on Flacco, who hasn't looked good in about half a decade. But Cincinnati still has Andy Dalton. And Andy Dalton's never going to get you two wins. He's always going to get you seven or eight, maybe. Maybe every once in a while a little bit better than that if all other things are going right around him. But it's overpaying that guy and keeping him in town rather than being willing to risk completely bottoming out but then landing the guy that can be your future. And so that will always be one of my refrains about Marcus is Marcus is never going to be bad enough, ever, ever that he's going to make it easy to replace him without a lot of free agent money on somebody that happens to fall like a Kirk Cousins or somebody like that. I'm not necessarily sure I would overpay for Kirk Cousins either, but also not high enough in the draft that you don't have to give up a lot to get up higher to take a Tua or a Trevor Lawrence or someone like that or a Justin Herbert out of Oregon. That becomes sort of the dilemma. But in terms of the Eagles, here's one other thing that you might not have thought about. You pay him now, based on one good year that you remember him having two years ago and just because you really like him. But you pay him now when maybe the bloom's a little off the rose. A story in Philadelphia about how he's a little bit of a diva and he doesn't take responsibility for anything. And he comes out and says, you know, there's some truth to that. And so maybe he grows from that and becomes better for that. But you pay him now and you lock him into this guarantee that's pretty solid, that's going to turn out to be pretty good as long as he's pretty good, this monetary value, the salary cap's going to continue to go up. So this quarterback market is going to continue to rise in terms of the money being paid. So you go ahead and get this out of the way today, right? You've got him locked in through 2024. You sign him to the extension. You give him the bells and whistles. You give him the high guarantee. Let's say he, you don't do this, and he goes out this season and wins you a Super Bowl and throws for 4,500 yards and has a 68% completion percentage and is in the MVP discussion you'd be paying him out the nose after this year. So you're paying him based on what you think he's capable of and the flashes that you have seen. And you're overlooking the 5-6 and record that he had last year before they shut him down. And you're saying, we want to get this at the bargain price. This is like grabbing a stock that has fallen just a little bit because you have insider information or you feel pretty confident that that stock's going to split six months from right now. And if it does split, I'm not going to sing it, but you're in the... Money. The Eagles continue to show adeptness and shrewdness when it comes to their negotiating practices, and it's going to serve them well. I'd have paid this dude too. We'll be right back. The zone. Segment of the program here on a Monday, Big Six, here on 104.5 The Zone. My name is Jason Martin. I'm on Twitter at jmartzone. You can follow me there. We're brought to you by Renter's Warehouse, dedicated to helping homeowners become rent estate investors by renting their homes instead of selling. Renter's Warehouse, the rent estate company. So I do a segment on the Jason Martin Show on Fox Sports Radio, which runs 3 to 6 a.m. Eastern time, so 2 to 5 here, and you hear the first two hours on The Zone live every Sunday morning called Jmart's Mart's DVR. And that's when I tell you what it is that I'm watching, paying attention to in the world of pop culture. Uh, I do it more briefly and then I can do longer pop culture stuff. You know about the pop six. If you haven't subscribed, uh, maybe jump on that. If you're interested and like some of the stuff that you hear from me, we talk about pop culture on that show. We try to do it every week. It's been a couple of weeks since we've done one. We need to get back on that schedule. We still have to finish up this podcast series about The Office. We have one more that we need to do, plus our character draft, but you can find The Big Six, you can find The Pop Six, you can find Squared Circle Radio, all just by searching your podcast catcher of choice. You can consume the show however you want, whenever you want. But the J-March DVR segment, since a lot of people will come to me on Twitter and ask me, what are you watching or what would you binge? I try to come up with some stuff, and I actually tweeted out one. I think I have your summer binge. Now, there are some great things out there. The five hours of Chernobyl is the hardest thing you will have watched maybe in five or six years, even harder than like sharp objects, but in a much different way. It's a horror story, and it's absolutely terrifying because it's real. And if you can let go of the fact that it's a bunch of British actors doing you know, those accents as opposed to what it would be otherwise, there are some people that have to find something to complain about. But Jared Harris and this whole cast is doing great work. It's tremendous. It's frightening, but it's the best TV of the year. On Friday evening, Michael Schur, who created Parks and Rec, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, was heavily associated with that, was also part of the American adaptation of The Office from Ricky Gervais and Stephen Merchant, and he's been a part of a couple of other things as well. Michael Schur is the creator of The Good Place, which is my favorite show on TV over the last three, four years. And it's going to come to an end after this fall season four, not because NBC wants it gone, but because Michael Schur thinks, hey, this story had an end date in our head and we don't want it to go too long and us have to, you know, let the quality drop from a story perspective. And I actually spoiled the big twist at the end of the first season on the JMS yesterday morning. I'm not going to do that here, but the twist at the end of the first season and the fact that they get to a spot I didn't think they'd get to until the series came to an end four episodes into the first season is all I need to tell you to go find the first couple of seasons that are already available on Netflix and enjoy those. Fantastic stuff. Ted Danson's probably the best actor in the history of television. You may be rolling your eyes, but let me me just lay this out for you real quick. Cheers, Becker, Damages, Curb Your Enthusiasm, and The Good Place. And I'm probably forgetting a few along the way. But those are iconic characters. Sam Malone, Becker, obviously the doctor there. Arthur Frobisher was one of the characters that really made damages what it turned out to be. Michael in The Good Place is just awesome. Everything the guy does is gold. He, you don't think about him when you think of the Gandolfinis and the Brian Cranstons, but you should. Ted Danson can play it all. He can do it all. Drama, comedy, he never fails in anything that he tries to do. Whenever Ted Danson's associated with something, pay attention to it, especially on the small screen. And then finally, here is your binge for the summer. Three seasons. There's going to be a limited series coming out that's sort of new. There was a movie a few years ago that was crowdsourced uh, through Kickstarter and GoFundMe. And that's Veronica Mars, which is Rob Thomas's sort of private detective coming of age. It's great. And Hulu is going to drop the first three seasons on July 1st. That was announced at the ATX Television Festival, which I covered for two years for Clay Travis and kicked the Coverage and wrote about and went to all those panels and all of those things. Veronica Mars is awesome. It is incredibly well put together. You will fly through it. It's dark enough that you certainly don't feel like you're watching a kid's show. Kristen Bell is tremendous. Enrico Colantoni is tremendous. It covers a lot of very difficult issues at times, but the story and even how it kind of winds itself down in the finale is worth it. Three seasons of twenty plus episodes is going to take you some time, so that's why I'm telling you go ahead and put it on your radar. It's going to get kind of thin in the sports world once the U.S. Open's done. This, this week, and of course the NBA Finals will be done, and the Stanley Cup Finals, and all of these things. We'll be talking about what's to come in the fall, so you're going to need some stuff when you're not at the pool. Veronica Mars is your answer. So Now's the time to add that to your queue. That is your perfect binge for the summer. You're welcome. We'll see you tomorrow. Clear eyes, full hearts, can't lose. God bless, and good night.